Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and how much chat one person can possibly engage in, because I'm testing the limits. I'm Rachel Perkin, aka Pi or Pi Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. I have an unusual amount of facial hair. It's true. It's true. I want to talk about that in a minute. But uh, today on the show, we're doing something a little different for the holidays. Yeah, it's a it's a holiday edition and scheduling people was not only hard, but also realizing that we would have to edit and squeeze everything out and there probably wouldn't be as many listeners as normal. And so we decided wow. to mix things up a little bit. So it's yeah. so busy, so hard. Yeah, it's true. We're slackers. What, um, what, what are you doing for the holidays? Oh, well, I'm currently at home by myself. I've had the whole house to myself all day today, and that is highly unusual. My uh, my husband is traveling in the Midwest and uh, visiting family, and I opted to stay home, and it's kind of awesome. I don't have anyone in the house. It's very weird. That is, what about that you? Is well, so for the first time in three years, I'm not making a long drive with all of my children to Texas. I think you remember <laughs> a little bit of my tweet storm last year when we ended I up do. hitchhiking with four it was kids. Such a story! Um, like you, ended, yeah. you had a true Christmas miracle kind of thing happen. <laughs> from you? from the Panhandle of Oklahoma down to Amarillo was was quite an adventure. My wife was laughing so hard at one point. She said, "Take back all the gifts. This is this is my favorite thing that's ever happened." <laughs> Uh, she sounds extremely tolerant. <laughs> I would just be like freaking out because of my uh, concern for, you know, having control of everything in every situation. It caused me a lot of stress. The fact that she just sat back and was able to say, you know, I know that you can take care of these situations was a little bit encouraging. But uh, yeah, so we're, we're staying home this year. So my suburban literally can't break down on me. Now we are next week taking the train line that you you took all the way from San Francisco to the east, the, the Chicago, San Francisco Zephyr we're taking. Oh yeah, the California Zephyr. Yeah, we're taking from Denver to Glenwood Springs, which is about a two hour drive, but it's a six and a half hour train ride. And we're going to go sit in hot springs and go skiing and relax in the mountains. And I'm looking forward to that next week. So when, when this po- podcast is released, in theory, I will be far away from civilization. Yeah, and you can imagine uh, Kendall in a hot tub. Well, the question is, you, I saw you say something about this on Twitter. Uh, are you going to cut off your beard? I mean, I've had a beard for like, it's probably been seven, eight years, mostly consistently. Mostly consistently. I cut it off, uh, most of it off once. I never took the mustache off. I read something <laughs> years the, ago the that said, yeah, that's right. Uh, I read something years ago that said men will have a haircut into later life that they believe was from their most successful time in younger years. And so as a result, I've been very intentional to try to dramatically change my look every few years because I'm unwilling to settle in and say that was my most successful time. So I'm going to keep that haircut into old life. But that's, I see. I see. It's also and, and a ridiculous reaction. Who, who want to check in on this. Um, your Twitter handle is blatant error. Is that correct? Blatant error. That's correct. That's ah, yeah. So you can, uh, you can take a look. Um, in his recent tweets, you'll see Kendall's uh, previous pursuit stylings. <laughs> it, it ended very poorly. If you've seen that picture, you know just how poorly it ended. But, <laughs> but uh, um, so yeah, and uh, it's, you know, our, our our amusing banter aside, we do have a reason for 
for being on this podcast, for making this podcast. Um, the goals are to, uh, to talk to lots of interesting people and convey, uh, help them convey their learning experiences in ways that can be useful to you. But um, Kendall, why, why did you want to work on this podcast? Yeah, so what was interesting to me initially, I mean, first of all, just the idea of a podcast has been interesting for a while, but, but uh, what really pushed it over the line for me is something that's been very helpful for me in my career is finding people who intimidate me because they're in positions of significant leadership or I'm very impressed with who they are or what they've accomplished. And then, uh, you know, intentionally approaching those people and getting to know them and humanizing them and finding out that they're just people who have insecurities and, uh, you know, aren't sure they're doing everything right. And um, Ooh, all of those pieces. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, where we've put together a massive, we're going to be doing something of a super cut, look back, whatever clip episode today, which uh, I will be getting to in the editing room, hopefully tomorrow. And uh, hopefully at not great stress, but but we'll see. My skills are up to it. Um, but yeah, so for, for me, it's really about an opportunity and a platform to meet lots of interesting people, delve deep into who they are, what makes them tick, what makes them excited, what they enjoy about leadership and, and understand the things that uh, cause them concern and fear and worry. And, and that's the fun that I'm having in doing this. And is, is uh, hearing about all the things that terrify people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it fears <laughs> knowing that other people are afraid of spiders is encouraging to me. It's totally it's, true. Uh, it, and, and what you said a minute ago is that, you know, that it's humanizing, these yeah. later, right? Um, these successful folks who uh, might seem uh, as though they have achieved some stuff that you might not be able to achieve, they had they had problems along the way. We discuss people's um, you know challenges in in management and leadership and and uh, and how they apply the things that they've learned. And it's uh, I hadn't really thought about it that way um, when we were talking about putting on this show. I was like, well. Uh, I mean, I've been on a podcast a couple of times and it was sort of fun. And so, and I'm, I'm doing this because Kendall asked me, but it's, <laughs> it's actually uh, turned out to be a really awesome way to indulge in something I enjoy, which is to help people communicate the things that make them interesting, that the things that um, they've learned that can be useful to someone else. Like as a, as a technical writer, as a marketing writer, my interest lies a lot in making uh making someone's words more uh resonant making them more useful in a way by by cleaning them up by making them asking them the right questions uh, and so that's that's super interesting and cool and I'm, I'm glad you suggested we talk about this yeah well which which you do well i mean in addition to the playful banter and the snark which we try to infuse lots of into this podcast uh i think you're you're good at pulling those questions out of people i i i do notice that regularly in the podcast so we when we record this we use video but we never share the video because we're just we're just sharing the audio uh externally but i i noticed that it's not uncommon for me to just be listening and kind of dumbfounded with my jaw open while your gears are churning and you're thinking of the next question. Uh, <laughs> and you well, have to press we, me mean, sometimes, Kendall, ask a question. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. Engage. We, we are, we are like super nerdy about the things that we, you know, this, this is, this ostensibly is about leadership and, you know, and about the things around that management problems and so on techniques. But when someone has something, they, they talk about the job that they did or, you know, that, the, that, uh, how they got into, like we had, you know, Matt, Matt talked about, um, 
starting off by programming on a MUD. So we like talked about that for 10 minutes. And we just deep nerd dive into anything, uh, <laughs> possibly for a little bit too long. So, you know, if, if, if you want us to do that less, perhaps you should let us know. <laughs> no, um, the nerd diving's half the fun. And, and, and we are, I mean, we should play the clip of nerd diving into precision farming. Yeah, in our very first episode. I'm curious too, like like when you said it drives the combines, is is this an Internet of Things piece that attaches onto these devices and drives them? Is it built into the hardware of combines, et cetera? If I'm a, if I'm a farmer with a 15 year old combine, how does what you're building? Like I I, I want to really sure. understand the specifics of this because this is fascinating. To me. It's really uh, all of what you said, depending on how recently the. Uh, the equipment's been manufactured. 15 years ago, you're probably talking something that hooks onto the steering wheel itself and will turn the steering wheel for the uh, farmer. Um, more recently, wow. they use hydraulic steering and it hooks into the hydraulics and will just turn the uh, vehicle wheels without turning the steering wheel. And then even more recently, some of the uh, manufacturers have uh, basically electronic control units that you just talk to and say to turn now and it turns itself. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that is awesome. This show is ostensibly about leadership and management. We're all sure. such huge nerds. Sure. Tell us all about it. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so let's turn turn the ship. Let's use the uh, the GPS of our, our leadership to turn the ship. So yes, we nerd dive into these things, but also it's been a theme of ours to, to talk about people's uh, story and how they got into leadership. That's led to a lot of the nerding. Um, because people do end up in the roles they're in because they find something they're interested in. They go down that path and they get really deep down that path and then they want to help others get deep down that path or however that goes. There's lots of different ways it, it takes people there. But um, in almost every episode, one of the first questions we've asked people is how they got to where they are. And I think the themes of imposter syndrome come out even just in the the ways people describe their journey. It feels like almost every single person says, well, the way I got here is going to sound unusual, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, 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 and I mean, we have had the benefit of like, of talking to these folks and listening to their stories and thinking, wow, you know, like what an accomplished person, what, uh, look at all they've accomplished. And every single person has at some point said that they had some form of, uh, of imposter syndrome, even at the end of their own tale, right? You're I think it's helpful to look back at how people got to where they were and, and the path that they took. And um, I, I think that we in particular, uh, you know, wanted to, to, to raise the issue that your, your path, whatever path you took is, is the best path for getting to where you are. And, and we, we found a really good clip that kind of raised that. Yeah. I, I think the point is totally valid. It's totally Did valid. We all come from a non, I mean, I came from an astrophysics and English literature background. So the, not exactly the same, you know, it's not exactly that kind of path either. And, and what about you, Kendall? Yeah, I have a uh, bachelor's in English literature and two masters of religion, which are just very, very relevant to my day to day. That is amazing. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. You, you have to take better. what you've got and work with it. And uh, I think that is the best path is your path, whichever path you took. 
I think that's actually a really great lesson to pull from it. And I think that talking about that is, is one of the great things about this podcast, because I think it's easy for the imposter syndrome to perpetuate when you don't know people's backgrounds. And it's easy to think you have way more formal training in something than I do, or, oh boy, you're a manager. You must have had this really lengthy computer science master's, whatever thing. And it's actually not the case. I think you're totally right that many people have, have taken their own paths that are very different. As Eric said here in this quote, uh, in this clip, that there, there's, there are lots of different paths, paths to leadership. Yeah, not everybody gets into it sitting down when they're 14 saying, you know, what I want to do is have dominion and power over people. Uh, in fact, nobody we've talked to has said that. Um, but uh, here's some more stories, I guess. <laughs> some um, examples, yeah. Well, so Ian, welcome to the podcast. Why don't we just dive right in? Tell us about your leadership uh, management, like past history. How did you get to where you are today? What's your story? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's say that it's not for the faint of heart. And it was totally, <laughs> uh, totally unplanned and unchoreographed. And, uh, you know, not, not sure how I wound up here all the time. So I, I started out. Uh, coming straight out of college, I went into the military. So that was a, let's say, a crucible experience of learning leadership. Many years ago, uh, sort of got into it laterally from a uh, web producer position that I had at a company called Media Map. Uh, started working on their intranet. It was sort of the dawn of the web. I got very, very interested in doing more of that. Uh, went and went to uh, work for a consulting firm. Went cycled through various jobs, um, getting more and more senior. Eventually, I uh, lit out on my own as an independent consultant, um, did that for about 10 years, and realized that if I wanted to grow my skills more, uh, expand what I was doing, I needed to be a manager and I needed to work for a company because you can't manage as an IC uh, consultant. That doesn't work. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I have a very long and circuitous path, so definitely cut me off if I get too boring. But I think that, I think it's common actually in, in leadership. I didn't think it would be, but it totally is. So I've always been interested in technology. I think that's the common thread um, going way back to when I was a kid. Um, I started writing HTML in middle school. I made my own website. It was about Apple and it was hosted on Tripod. And this was before CSS was even a thing. And I'm dating myself a little bit. Um, so I've always been interested in that. But for some reason in high school, I kind of got away from it, uh, probably because I got interested in girls. So I got more into music and guitar and playing in a band and stuff. Um, so I kind of let technology slide a little bit and really wasn't doing a lot with it. And that carried into college where I ended up uh, graduating with the double major in political science and history. Not very relevant, one would think, to uh, the type of thing that I do now. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I kind of wish that I could go back and, and get a computer science degree. But on the other hand, I feel like the more liberal approach, uh, arts approach to my life that I've taken maybe has helped me. And so I, I graduated from college, didn't have any idea what I wanted to do is common. And I ended up working for my family's business, which is a printing and packaging company. And well, I'll start with my career because that's probably the most important. I started at the city of Oakland actually working for the Oakland Zoo as an elephant trainer and then did animal keeping for about five years. And in the meantime, got moved to Children's Fairyland as an animal keeper and got to be work with these seventh generation gardeners, Japanese style gardeners that I just got mesmerized with. And then I realized I wanted to be on the other end of that manure pile. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Shoveling shit for a living gets old. <laughs> I bet. So, um, wow, that, that needs to be one of our like taglines for the show. Shoveling shit for a living gets old. I, I mean, frankly, I'm shocked. That that 
So let's just go into management instead. Oh, no, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, so I get to work with these amazing master gardeners, and I decided to get into horticulture. And then I became a gardener in 19, a gardener crew leader, actually. I became a gardener and then got promoted within a year and a half to gardener crew leader. I think my path to leadership was uh, uh, coincidental, kind of you stumble onto it, that sort of thing. I I got started just with my passion for software engineering and building things, uh, and it sort of led from there. All right. Well, can you say a little yeah, more about um, other earlier management or leadership roles you've had? And was, was your first job HashiCorp? Yeah. Uh, did you did you get started in Arby's? I mean, give us some give us some nitty gritty. Well, okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know how much detail you wanted me to go into. Um, no, I didn't get into management until. HashiCorp, I think. Um, I guess you might say otherwise, but my first, I mean, I went through normal jobs like as a, as a kid, I mean, tutoring and, you know, smoothie places and things like that. But my first real job, I think, would have been, uh, uh, I worked at an Apple retail store, um, which doesn't sound like a real job in and of itself, but it was the first job I had that taught me a lot uh, from a leadership perspective. Well, it's a long story. So first of all, I grew up on a farm in Maine. So uh, we had a 10, 10 acres of pick your own strawberries. And 10 Ooh. acres isn't very much for a farm, but it's a lot to have strawberries. That's a lot of strawberries. That's a lot of strawberries. And so what my sister and I learned at a very early age was how to talk to strangers because you basically have your customers coming to you to pick strawberries and just kind of get along with everybody. So, um, you know, the common joke when customers would approach is like, we're going to weigh you now. And then after, because you'll eat your weight in strawberries if you can. (laughs) (laughs) So needless to say, all these years later, I can pick 40 pounds of strawberries in like 90 minutes, not to brag, but I then do that every year and make jam. So I'm I'm kind of known around jam queen, but you know, having this kind of uh, unique background as a farm kid, it's one of those work really hard any day of the night to kind of just get the job done that you need to have done. And the idea of also then being so tied to the land and also making your, you're making your money while the sun shines has kind of been the philosophy that has been leading me through my life. And it's one of those things you kind of can reflect on as you get older. So it, it's something that I kind of take with me as I go. And I've been able to find other farm kids and we kind of all have the same philosophy and way of working, I think, that separates other people from, you know, everyone comes from a very different background. And that's not to say that you're not a farm kid if you grew up in New York City. Uh, it's that ethos of just working really hard at a very young age, really in the beginning to put food on the table. So the path is, as some other folks on your show have said, a little bit unintentional. Um, I like the metaphor of kind of walking through uh, time backwards where you can see everything behind you, but the future is yet unknown. And so I started um, 20 years ago in tech communications because when I graduated from school, I was happily near Silicon Valley, but uh, didn't have a computer degree, didn't necessarily know what to be doing. And so I kind of happened into tech com, loved it. Once I was in software companies, realized I really liked the UI and working with users and the requirements. And I had a boss who was a wonderful mentor who said, you know, you're doing the job of product management. Um, and so I, I moved into that in a very kind of sideways, but then super intentional race at it way, because it turned out it was the perfect match for what I loved. So I think, you know, the, the common theme in this is there is no direct path to leadership. 
And when we look back over all of these people, the, the <laughs> different ways that they got into leadership are part of what made them who they are. And uh, the leaders they had that came before them, as well as the mistakes they made along the way, as well as uh, being in the right place at the right time is a significant part of that. And I think, I mean, I don't know, Rachel, you're sitting down with aspiring leader um, who's saying, I don't know how to become a leader. What do I do? You know, with, with some of this in mind, how do you advise them? I mean, do you just tell them, hey, there is no path? Or what do you, what do you I, say? I tell them to listen to our podcast. <laughs> um. Perfect. <laughs> Well, duh. Uh, no, but there's not really one thing. Like you said, there's not really one thing I can say that's useful. It's a, it's an ongoing process. Um, and uh, I know that there's been some, uh, some high points in some of the episodes that we have, uh, that we have, uh, you want to say shown, because we get to look at each other, but that we've, we've, we've uh, delivered over the year. Uh, and I, I seem to remember one in particular that you, Kendall, uh, the, was especially, yeah, you were especially uh, struck by. So I've been, <laughs> for, for, first of all, I have enjoyed every episode and every conversation we have has been a, a, a different level or for very interesting for different reasons. However, um, one of the things that stands out for me, and, and we've been doing this podcast for over six months now, it's been seven, eight months or something that we've been yeah. recording this podcast, but uh, I think it's episode six with uh, Tora Rocha, Roca? I can't remember how to say her I name. I think it's Rocha, um, yeah. And there's, there's a couple of things that she said, but um, we're going <laughs> to listen to this one clip about how she responded to the prevalent and accepted sexual harassment of the time. So there was a lot of sexual harassment then in the 80s. I was one of, you know, there was 117 employees and two women. And it was really tough. Wow. Um, and yeah, I mean, I got sexually harassed in a meeting room. And I mean, literally grabbed and groped. And the supervisor's like, well, you just don't get along with men. And when I reported it, wow. every, every man in that room said that I had lied, that I just wanted a lawsuit to get money. So I had to prove, you know, and I mean, this is a little graphic, but basically I would wait until I saw each one of those guys in that room alone in the hallway. And I would take my pruners that were on my hip and put it in their crotch and say, next time you touch me, I'll pull off. Yikes. And that's, that's how I got respect. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, well, there's, there's there's a lot that I have to say about this. I don't know what can be said other you than... You can't see Kendall, but he's cringing just like he did the day that we recorded that episode. It's been months since we recorded this, but this this is the only thing I think that anyone has said on the podcast that has caused me significant sympathy pain. Uh, and, and I think about it regularly. Almost every time we record, uh, I wonder, you know, is somebody else going to talk about using their pruning shears? Um, in, in a, such in a way, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I warrant that's probably not going to happen, but, uh, you know, we, we talked to a lot of women on this podcast and, uh, I can, uh, I can guarantee that they've had different, uh, approaches to handling these kinds of problems. Well, so, I think as a man, there's something about this particular imagery that really drives home the significance of this issue how disconnected I am from it, how little it affects my day-to-day -day life. Um, yeah. And, you know, man, talk about wanting to be an advocate uh, so that people don't have to be in that situation again. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a, a pruning shear is a form of self-advocacy I had not considered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, 
Um, so yeah, this has been a, a really awesome uh, uh, experience and I'm looking forward to uh, the new year and to recording more episodes and talking to more interesting people. Um, one thing that I wanted to do is, because uh, I went through and listened to some of the episodes that we recorded this year, uh, looking for something that um, I could offer up as a tangible uh, working tip for the new year. And one thing that, that came to mind was in um, our episode with Ann Carrier, which I think was episode number two or three. Uh, very early on, uh, uh, Anne's got the most delightful accent, so I highly recommend listening to this episode, even if that, even if it's just to, you know, soothe your soul. Um, but uh, she talked about this thing that she that they did at a company that she worked at, which is um, something that I know folks on the Rand's leadership Slack also use sometimes, and they use um, uh, a tool that matches people up randomly to do one-on-ones for uh, for. Uh, you know, some amount of time, like once a week, you get a new person. Half an hour point. or an hour. Yeah. yeah, you can set all of these things with the tool. And this tool, uh, a lot of people are using, so it's called donut.ai, but I don't think you necessarily need some sort of automation for this. You could probably do it manually as well. But the idea being that you meet up with someone who's not necessarily someone on your immediate team and you spend some time and you get to know them. You ask some questions maybe about what, what, what was your path to being here at this company? Like maybe take some notes from, uh, from this podcast. And, um, it's in particular, this seems very useful in the, in the, the current, approach to spinning up teams uh, in an agile way to do particular projects rather than teams being together for, you know, years at a time. Uh, this works really well to jumpstart the process of, uh, of building a team and then having the folks uh, know each other a little bit, trust each other a little bit to get started. So uh, I want to thank Anne for that recommendation. And um, I know, you know, uh, folks do this already, but I would like to offer it as a way to improve your team building as a leader in the coming year. So let's go ahead and play that clip. I mean, the company has started doing kind of random one-to-ones as the, as the company's grown a lot in the last year. There's been a, a whole pile of new engineers joined and as they are mostly distributed, I think there's only a couple of engineers who actually work in the London office um, for any amount of time. And so to allow us to get to know people we've been doing these they've been using this like donut ai i think and um, this little slack bot thing that matches you up with someone that you don't talk to very often huh. and so we do these donut chats yeah so i think one of the interesting things about that is i have used donut pretty extensively in the rand slack uh bef- pre- before we used donut somebody was doing it manually or had written some automation themselves homespun automation to to do pairings but um i've been doing these random pairings with people through this leadership slack for a couple of years now and um they're I think we get paired every two weeks and they're almost always wonderful conversations. I think in two years I've had maybe one that was kind of a dud. Uh, I even had a conversation earlier today with um, a gentleman in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and just hearing about the kinds of things he struggles with, wonders about the questions he has. It's just always very enlightening. It's useful for networking. It's useful for getting to know people. It's useful for just hearing other people's struggles. It's like a microcosm of this podcast. Uh, but it, um, I can see the, the value in a company Slack, especially as a company gets bigger and bigger. And if you're using Slack for your company, this is a, an easy thing to plug in. Again, it doesn't have to be tied to Slack. It doesn't have to be donut.ai, but we wanted to leave everyone with a tangible, here's a thing you can go do, uh, in 2019 because 
Some people, I'm told, set goals for themselves. Do you have goals for 2019? Hmm, do I have goals? For t- well, I, I'm planning on moving uh, for 2019. So I'm, my, my goals are very related to getting rid of stuff right now. Oh, okay. Uh, do you, I do you pick house. things up and ask yourself, does this bring me joy and get rid of it? We have been doing a little bit of that, the the spark joy, the KonMari approach. And it does work to some degree. I mean, there's some stuff like, yes, I'm just, we're just going to need dishes where, where we end up. You know, we're going to yeah. need heat, whatever. But um, we have a lot of clutter and this has been a fantastic way of um, getting rid of some of that clutter. <laughs> Uh, well, my my wife is a hardcore minimalist, and so I don't ever have to do that because she picks up all of my stuff and asks herself, will he notice it's gone and throws it away? And so it doesn't matter how many new clothes I buy, I never have more clothes than I used to have. Uh, and pretty much my office is my only sacred space where she doesn't come in and throw everything away. And I'm not saying she doesn't throw things away. She just doesn't throw everything away. Well, but, it sounds to me like she has um, f- developed the perfect approach to dealing with you. <laughs> it's, it's nice. Yeah. It precious, precious thing. That's yeah. right. And, and I'm not a big uh, New Year's resolution person. I, I have a sort of, if there's a thing that I want to improve, I go improve it. And I'm kind of constantly chewing on that. I can't really imagine. I, I, I've always wondered how people do it. Do they just never sit down and ask how they can self-improve except once a year? Or like, do they write them down all year and say, I got six more months before I have to tackle that one? Or like, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think people it, are generally very introspective. I, I think they're, right. that people are often self-centered, but they're not very introspective. That's and so, yeah, uh, having, a, having a sort of seasonal habit of um, making these sorts of, decisions about what you're going to try and work on in the new year I think is useful uh but yeah I agree with you I think I, I, I don't think that I need like I tried to start a new habit at the beginning of a week if it's going to be something that makes sense to do on a time base but other than that I don't need to be at the beginning of the year or the beginning of anything it's like oh, I'm going to do this better so well I'm I'm the same way, but uh, <laughs> but in 2019 we resolve to keep this podcast going at least for a little while. Um, cool. Or having too much fun. <laughs> I'm having I, fun. I'm having a lot of fun. Thank you, Kendall. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, and um, have a good holiday, whatever's left of it by the time we actually hit publish on this. And happy New Year. Think, which brings know? us to our next question, which is tell us all of your faults in order from. <laughs> that's right. That's what this podcast is about.